Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And the Love fire is The water is falling. It's time to put something in this pot. Come on in. Welcome, 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 you revolutionaries. You practitioners. You healers. You readers. You powerful God. The most Thank you. 
Shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Aboru, Aboye, Aboshishe, Ashe. May I ever reach a room? May I ever be accepted? May I ever allow what we desire to come to pass? And so we say, Ashe, O Ashe. Greetings and salutations this Friday. I am so honored, grateful, humbled, excited to be here with you in this chosen, created, sacred space that we have been building since 2008. First on the Block Talk Radio platform, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. Please do subscribe. Please do follow. Please do like. I certainly would be honored and grateful for your participation. You can also call in my international Block Talk Radio audience at area code 845-277-9143. I am broadcasting with you now live, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, advisor, Elagun Oloye, Hudu Obeya Bokor, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African hoodoo, world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is indeed my constant prayer, my mantra, my affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. All is a blessing is crucial to the very foundation of my understanding, my being, my walk, my work, my demonstration along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is how I, the divine prince, make sense out of all that we're challenged with, all that we're challenged with here in this earth plane existence on Mother Father Earth. And it is my personal place of power 
and inner standing. It is the place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe. I am, again, welcoming you, greeting you, inviting you to come on in to this sacred space. I am emanating and vibrating with you and for you now live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally, from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince. High Potions, Hoodoo Central LLC, in this beautiful, historic, most enchanted, some would say most haunted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this hoodoo obey a life passing journey, passing down the great obia stick, along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, and minerals. I wish to invite you to participate, to ask questions, to entertain us, to share your experience and your story. And I would be remiss to not now introduce my co-host and my cousins, my blood DNA cousins. First, I want to introduce the beloved Otan Ifamiwa. Ifamiwa. Please forgive me. Otan Ifamiwa. Come on in, beloved. We certainly do appreciate you always bringing that Iyami and that mother wit and that power of being a black woman. We're grateful for you. And you share your experience, which a lot of people are not strong enough to do. A lot of people are not empowered enough to do. A lot of people aren't standing in their truth to do. So we're grateful for your example. We're grateful for your words. We're grateful for your ministry. We're grateful for your energy. And we want to acknowledge you. I also want to bring my cousin, Oloye Ifawole. To everyone, I hope everybody is doing well. Blessings to you all. You know, we uh, today is is O'Shea uh, Shangri-La. Uh, so we uh, with oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah O'Shea yeah uh, Shango Oya. And in Buddha so, we say it's a red day. Red day, yeah, that, yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. So we hope that Shango will clear away any and all obstacles in the path. That Shango will also bring righteous judge, uh, justice to you. Uh, will also bring magnetism of that which you are desiring in your life. May it be in, uh, uh, a magnetism, magnet, uh, magnet. You know what I'm saying? To you, and as well as such. Uh, May all uh, the energy of Oyab transformation, may you be the transformation, the transformation manifest in each and one of your lives today. So I look forward to, to, you know, going through the program with you guys today and and moving forward. There's a lot of shade on me right now, so. Yeah, Yeah, it's a red day. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I've been up, I've been busy, I've been moving. I've been bowing, I've been prostrating, I've been doing it all today. And um, so I feel you, cousin. I, I, I do, indeed. Um, we want to, to some degree, continue our discussion about ATR, African traditional religious system, in the Americas. 
I want to refine it just a little bit today about heritage and lineage and how indeed that is important, how indeed that's a crucial building block to the foundation of our maintaining these traditions here in the Americas. Now, now this isn't a discussion about cutting ties or excluding any part of the world where our people and these traditions can be, can be found, for indeed they are a multitude. There are a plethora. We are everywhere in the pan-African, trans-African uh, footprint, if you will. But I want to talk about us rebuilding, reconnecting to, re-understanding what um, heritage and lineage is, particularly in a time when we've gone through some decades of, of broken relationships, broken homes, uh, the so-called myth of, you know, the breakdown of the black family, you know, and so many people are, are not only moving away from, i.e., tradition, but are also moving away from organized tradition, like the church, uh, like politics, like the government, you know, and, and so we hear, you know, the phraseology of, of wanting to live, you know, beneath the grid or, or free ourselves from the grid. And one of the most powerful and empowering ways for us to do that is through, one, understanding heritage and, and lineage as it pertains to us as a people, first always as a people, as an individual and then as people, but then how it affects us at that ATR level, the traditional religious spirit practice, how we keep that alive in the Americas, how we create and recreate that in the Americas. One of my elders told me that the Orisha, the Loa, only reinvented themselves on this side of the water, only re-evolved, re-emerged, recreated themselves to not only um, sort of recreate, uh, you know, a similarity of system on this side of the, the, the water, but to also meet new needs, new, <coughs> excuse me, new needs, <coughs> new challenges that we as individuals and as a people um, have had to confront. I like to say I stand on result-oriented practice, result-oriented practice. Mythology is great. Philosophy is great. Um, mentalism is great. You know, feel-good, positive conversation is great. You know, the, the, the power of, of, of being able to draw what we want, what we desire, what we need to the world by that which we project out is great. But there's so much more that I've gained, and I'm sure many of my guests and visitors can share in this, that I've gained from actively being a part of these systems as a lifestyle, at the root level, all the way on up. And, yes, it was a challenge to, you know, get away from, from my former evangelical Christian background, not just the environment, but, but then the energy in the footprint that still remained on me. Yes, it was a challenge to open up communications with my mother and other members of my family where I could stand in my truth, represent who I am, but also had the words to explain that and, and to keep us close rather than divided, again, by politics, by religion, by belief systems, by government. The traditional African religions or traditional beliefs and practices of African people 
are a set of highly diverse beliefs that include various ethnocultural traditions. See, we like to say voodoo as a sort of a, a label or brand, but it's an umbrella word that represents a diversity of ethnocultural traditions. We don't like to say uh, tribe, so we say ethnic group. We say family. So various families don't all cook the gumbo the same way. Various families don't all prepare the holiday meal the same way. And so these practices and these traditions, religiously and spiritually speaking, uh, became just as varied but also as specific as the ethnocultural community that's practicing the tradition. So you find voodoo in West Africa. You find various forms of voodoo in West Africa. Some people would say Akan practices voodoo. Some people would say Ifa practices voodoo. But you also see a, a, a differentiation in Candable in Brazil, a differentiation in Cuba and, and, and Santeria, a differentiation in Louisiana and Mississippi Delta voodoo and low country voodoo. You find very specific differences that relates specifically to our life, our challenges, what plants, herbs, roots are available to us, what food items are available to us, and that then becomes the very specific traditions that we, many of us, have grown up in and are now bringing to the forefront in, in 2021, 2022, and ultimately beyond. I said it in the last show, I believe. I'm not here to make a splash. I'm not here to, you know, leave some footprints. I'm here to leave a path, a path that my godchildren's children's children, that my nieces and nephews' children's children's children, that my brothers' and sisters' children's grandchildren's great-grandchildren will be able to stand up in, in authority and in truth and be just as empowered as the many other global world religions that we acknowledge. I often say we, we are treated like the bastard child in North America. And I'm not just talking about in Europe or in China. I'm talking about in Africa, in Nigeria, in Ghana, in Senegal. Sometimes we're treated like the bastard child. But I think that it's rooted, being, being a living bastard child myself, uh, <laughs> And I have a father. I mean, you know, being thrown away, being kicked to the street, having to find my way, you know, in the world. So being a representative of other bastard children, you know, in the world, we aren't bastards. We have ancestors. We have tradition that we can pull from right here in the Americas. And and for those, again, this is a call out to those who officially initiated into many of these traditions, the Akan practice the Ifa practice, the voodoo practice from, from Togo, Benin, from Ghana. Please grow that here among our people in the States. Develop that here among our people in the States. And let's, you know, break the, the, the tie of codependency on other people for our own sense of validation. Generally, these traditions are and continue to be oral rather than scriptural. And so my godchildren have run into that, you know, how many books can they read? How many authors can I, you know, refer them to? And indeed, there are books out there written by Americans, written by Nigerians, written by Ghanaians, you know, written by Egyptians. There, there are books out there for sure. But these traditions are still primarily communicated and expressed and shared orally 
And so there's nothing greater than sitting at the elders' feet, sitting at the, the owl's feet, sitting at the Ianika's feet, sitting at the elder, the grandma, your grandpa, your great uncle, your great auntie, and absorbing their experience, hearing their stories. These practices, and it's just umbrella of voodoo, also include the belief in a supreme creator belief in spirits and veneration of, of the dead and those who've gone on before us. Indeed, the use of magic in traditional African medicine. The role of humanity is generally seen as one of harmonizing nature with the supernatural. And so we have a foundation of tradition, and I've, I've shared to the best of my ability over the last 13 years um, books, documents, articles, sometimes artifacts, video, and and picture of the reality and the truth of these practices being not only present in America, but not a memory, not a shadow, but something that that is actively being worked right now today. According to statistics, there are over, and I'm not quite sure the number because it's much higher than the number I'm about about to recite, but there are over a million voodoo practitioners in the United States. A million. Now, they say it's how many black people? 30, are they still saying 33 million? It seems like they've been saying that since I was in high school. So, so that name, number can't be, you know, correct. If somebody knows the correct number, help me out in terms of how many African Americans um, are in, in the U.S. right now. But a million is a lot of followers, a lot of practitioners, a, a lot of participants in the traditions of our ancestors. So we need to move these practices out of the closet where it can be done safely. I understand we got young people listening who still live with their mom and daddy, you know, and and that's a good thing. We have married couples that one couple wants to break free of tradition. The other is, is devoutly church, you know, so I understand, you know, we grow to levels of comfort in terms of coming out of the closet, for lack of better words. But we need to bring these traditions out of the closet, out of the realm of what's spooky and and scary, and really put our foot to the fire and build these traditions in a way that, again, they benefit the, the community, the village, but also remain something that our children's children and their children can stand on, you know, in the future. We need elays. We need voodoo houses. We need temple space. We need offices. We need transportation. I'm, I'm 54 and never owned a car. <laughs> Some of y'all think I'm wealthy or something. I'm never owned a car, you know. Uh, and if you got one for me, I'm, I would gratefully accept it, <laughs> you know. But um, we've got to grow these traditions in a way that they're uh, viable, reachable, reasonable, practical, and just as much as the other sources that people have access to in our communities. We operate not just in the realm of religion. I'm sure my cousins understand that. We do way more than religion. You know, we do mental health. We do, we do emotional well-being and check-in. We do personal ego and spirit building. You know, we do physical activities, you know, health wellness, you know, we look at diet and what we're eating and, and how we're feeding our communities. We look at housing. You know, I've had to house 
some individuals. We do prison work. I have many, many incarcerated God children and clients. So we do more than just witchcraft. We do more than just, you know, magic and, and ritual. We are a viable component to the community that is often not getting funding. We're not getting federal funding. We're not getting grant money. You know, we're operating solely on, on the goodwill and the activity of those who have gained benefit from these traditions. And I say gain benefit because people who ain't gaining benefit don't stick around. People who don't gain results don't further support. People who aren't committed aren't committed. And so I'm talking about those who felt the energy of their ancestors. I, listen, I'm so excited. I don't, I don't want to push it, Orisha. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so excited about the, uh, the, the day when Orisha and, and her husband, um, Chef Bougie, come on and talk about their experience, you know, with me in this tradition, in this practice, their experience with, with the ancestors. I stand on the power of the ancestors. Before I started invoking Orisha and Loa and Abathon and, and Lucy, I stand on the power of the ancestors. It's the most mightiest thing that we have, that, that we possess, is that power of our ancestors that fought through, that, that first of all survived three-day walk from within the continent. So we think they just went on a beach and just grabbed a bunch of people. No, people had to walk sometimes three, four days a week out of the bush, out of the mountainous regions, you know, out in the deep, deep, un, you know, un, unindustrialized regions, even for that time, you know, of the country, and survived that, and then survived, you know, being in, in, incarcerated, you know, in a quote-unquote slave jail, waiting for the mothership to come and get you and, and transport you, you know, across waters. And then we had those who survived that part of the trip. We're talking about what, a month in the belly of a ship, maybe more, hurricanes, storms, you know, come on now, I live in the Gulf Coast. We just had a major catastrophe where, where many people lost their lives, you know, on a huge, exotic, expensive industrial ship. So just imagine, just imagine, and, and then you survive the, the being broke in, often in the Caribbean, often in South America. Because it took a very special kind of skill to do cotton, to do sugarcane, you know, in, in the U.S., to, to tolerate the, the brutality of enslavement in the U.S. So our ancestors had the power to survive. Our ancestors had the power to innovate. Our ancestors had the power to create and recreate a reality that mirrors our best interests. So I want to open the mic up to, to my cousin. And I want to invite you to please ask your questions, bring your comments and requests on both the phone lines, area code 845-277-9143. Please press that number one when you're ready. And you can also join us live here on screen by just following the, um, the URL link for StreamYard. Well, I think that when we talk about this from the uh, perspective of lineages and and I, I tend to begin that process by DNA. I begin that process by when we took, uh, I know my cousin, my son, all three of us took DNA tests. And the DNA test at least gave us a basic premise 
of areas within West Africa that our blood, uh, our DNA, have been found. So when we're looking at Nigeria or Benin or Ghana, uh, Togo, uh, any of those areas out there in West Africa, knowing that predominance of the the transatlantic slave trade was based in that area, then part of us working with our ancestors is to try to reassemble and try to reaffirm what it was that they were doing before the transatlantic slave trade. Of course, in some areas that we were taken from was predominantly Muslim. Some areas that were taken from our ancestors were continuing the the uh, traditions. Some areas uh, maybe had a little bit of Christianity in uh, that were bought from the from the. Uh, I want. I, I don't like using slave masters, although that's what they were. Um, those that enslaved our our uh, our ancestors and forefathers. Um, so I tend to begin to look at the process from. What was the possibilities of my ancestors in their spiritual traditions and practice? And now finding and seeing the areas of DNA and what maybe holds predominance in my DNA, it began to lead me to more uh, study in those areas. So the more study then found Ifa, Afa, Fa as three of the predominance, and of course, uh, the voodoo and, and, and other traditions that are uh, of different names in, in like Congo and, and different areas, they all have a root similarity. Maybe some use one okwele, others use two okwele, and yet there are others that use three okwele. And so in the practice, we begin to look and see maybe what what we have the opportunity to learn. Maybe I didn't have the, the opportunity to learn the doing, uh, but but Ifa was presented to me. So in taking the step to Ifa, it's opened up the door to meet others in other traditions or other from other areas and allow me then to expand uh, and evolve in my thinking. Um, to to look here and look there to see what our similarities are. Some of us look for big differences. Myself, I tend to look for what are the similarities. Maybe in one place the Odus are in the Odufa is in this particular uh, order, but this over here the Odu are found in a little slightly different order, but it still doesn't take away from the binary code that is given to manifest that particular old group. In some, the way that they read uh, the, the seniority of the Odu might be different, but it still doesn't take away the information and the wisdom within the Odu. So a lot of that then goes to our lineage. Your lineage then will dictate to you in essence, how your lineage views the study of Ifa and the stories and the interpretations of the scriptures.
scriptures of the Odu, and even in different ways that they might perform some of the rituals. And so when you find somebody from a different lineage or a different community uh, and they're doing things differently, we have to use wisdom and not say that they're doing it wrong, but then use our common sense to sit there and to watch and to study so that we can actually then learn maybe even a different format that we might be able to, to uh, learn as time goes by. So when it comes to lineage, lineage from you to your uh, elder, to your babalao or aluo, to their aluo, and beyond going through, also invokes ancestry, of course, because the ancestors of that particular lineage as well, once you initiate, it's like you're adopted into that family and into that lineage, and those ancestors are with you as well. So just to give a little, hopefully a little understanding of the perspective of, of lineage um, and even heritage, because once you find that your bloodline stems from those areas and you step back into those areas, Ifa says that when you do and you go into these initiations, it then allows you to connect at least seven generations back. So... Hopefully that's a little a little insight to, to get started as well. Oh, yeah. I have a, a head full of questions and comments I could make right now. But I'm going to allow Otan, beloved, please come on in. Yes. Um, I would say, well, um, Baba Loye, when the, firstly, let me greet everyone. Um, I'm back on just here and not the YouTube, so uh, technical stuff, you know, I don't do that stuff. So I'm going to get it eventually. Yes, indeed. Um, so I want to greet everybody. Abuwa Aboye Boshishe, Divine Prince, Baba Aloye, and everyone watching. Sister Ovechaki, you speak to me all the time, honey, so I want to shout you out. Thank you so much for the love. I see you. I just can't respond to y'all. I'm sorry. Um, but I love everybody, and I appreciate it. Um, as far as um, the discussion of this, I would say that um, as it has been presented before um, by Divine Prince, it's always good, it's always important to do ancestor work, ancestor connections, reconnections, because a lot of the times when a person is in a situation to where they're unsure of, of which way they should go spiritually, whether it's coming out of the church or Islam or whatever it is that you're currently um, studying that if you feel a disconnect, as, as I did, um, coming out of the Christian church, my suggestion is always to go to your ancestors because I remember to this day, and I still have the very first reading I ever had, my very first introduction to Eva, June the 16th, 2016. I still have that reading. To this day, I still read over it. Some of it has applied and still applies to this day. And it's a reminder. And it took that experience, which was through someone that I knew, that encouraged me to do that because I needed to have direction. See, a lot of the times when we get to a point in our life where it's time for elevation, where it's time to make that move, where it's time to make that shift, Sometimes we may not see it, or if we do see it, we doubt ourselves or we're unsure. And in the back of our mind, we have that Western eyes that can't be what that is because that's bad or that's, you know. So I, I just 
want to encourage those in, in, to, to understand that uh, connecting with someone that can get you uh, divination from a person of good character, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a babalawo, it doesn't have to be a voodoo priest, but just some kind of spiritual guidance. So your ancestors can be consulted. I had in my very first reading, my, my grandmother on my mother's side, my, my grandmother showed up. And she was in the Baptist church. But here she was in this Baba's house. And I know she was there. Because first of all, my grandmother's name is Willamette. You don't just pull that name out of that. So for him to literally her name, and he was messing up her name a little bit. He was like, Lilla, 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 he was like, I'm sorry, she's yelling at me. Like, she was checking him while he was trying to say it. And I'm looking at him like, Willamette? You don't just pull that name out of her. That's not a common name. Not Well, it's not unless you're from down south. You know, everybody's a May or a G. But Willamette is not a common name for someone that you have never seen in your whole life to pull out of a hat. So I say that to encourage you to know that one connect with your ancestors. My first first reading when I got with my uh, in my ile and I needed to know my direction. My father stood up for me. My father, I've never seen my father enter a church for any reason ever. And he he was not a religious type person. He did believe in a higher power, but my father didn't subscribe to anything. So for him to be popping up in E5 readings, I'm like, okay, what's really going on? Through the research of my ancestral line, I've just discovered that a lot of my ancestors were had dealings in E5 or Wudun or, you know, different things. And for me, that's a blessing. It understands why I know I have that strong connection. It was misplaced for a little while, but at the same time, I needed that time. That's why I say don't ever throw your base away. I needed that time in the Christian church. I needed that time to get comfortable with spirit, to get a basic understanding of the do's, the don'ts, what you're supposed to do and your specific path will come for you eventually. But that base, whether it was in the Christian church, whether it was in Islam, whether it was in Judaism, whether it was in uh, Muslim people that don't stop bringing my doorbell, Jehovah's Witnesses, it don't matter what form it came in. It is to prepare you for your elevation. Divine Prince always says all is a blessing. We need to look at the situations in our life that's happening for us not to us. Mm-hmm. Everything that happened to me in the church, and I say that me growing up in a Baptist church wasn't always peaches and cream. Truth be told, I can't stand none of them people. Those were the most gossiping. Like, I'm looking around like, how are y'all in church for 30, 40 years and you still a hot mess? But I needed to see all of that. Mm-hmm. You can't understand on what to do if you don't know what not to do. A lot of the things, a lot of the negative things and the things that we perceive as happening to us, is to teach us something. And if we're so focused on our emotion and being writing and doing this and then doing that, we're going to miss the lesson. And that's why a lot of us have a lot of jacked up people and a lot of messed up circumstances in our life to keep repeating those cycles because we're hard here. We don't learn nothing. I don't care whether you are Baptist, a Christian, Islam, Isa, Voodoo, a sign, whatever. Every system comes with protocol. It comes with purpose. It comes with rules. It comes with respect. If you're not willing to humble or submit yourself to anything, then you're not ready. Because part of that is total submission. There are going to be things you can't run from no more because they're going to be put right in your face. And you're going to have to deal with it. And it's going to be hard. And sometimes it's just going to downright 
stuck with what you want to do. You want to heal or you want to be right. So Many of those words have been so corrupted, you know, today, humility, submission. And, and, and we think the most negative connotations when we hear that word. We think about how those words have been used, you know, often against us and particularly against black women, you know, over the last few hundred years. But, but it's a whole other thing when we're talking about humbling yourself to God, humbling yourself to the ancestors, humbling yourself to the process that's being created for you and around you and within you, really to get you to the place that's in your best interest. You know, we say, well, I want to get to where I want to go. But, but often your ancestors are working to get to the place that's in your best interest. Um, I like to say that, you know, the illusion of an issue, a block, a complication, is often being pushed by our ancestors to push us to the left, to the right, away from some person, place, or thing, you know, to reevaluate some person, place, or thing. And it shows up as the illusion of, you know, a block, an issue, a complication. And some people struggle with that in the beginning. Some people struggle with all is a blessing in the beginning. But but when you that light comes on, you know, and, and, the, and the ancestors make that demonstration that you can't deny, you know, or turn away from, those are some of the most loyal and committed people to these traditions, you know, and, and, and then do find it easier to pull away from what's no longer benefiting them, what's no longer holding them up. I, I too remember those days of being in a in a black Baptist spiritualist church. I do too remember the days of being in a in a huge mega uh prosperity ministry evangelical Christian church. You know, and yes, sister, it was a lot of drama, a lot of gossip, a lot of backbiting, a lot of anger, a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy. And and let's be clear, you find those things in Ephah. You find those things in voodoo Everywhere. because you find people there. <laughs> Wherever you find people, you're going to find a certain degree of imbalance. Uh, we, we like to say the reason people come to these religious centers, these spiritual centers, is to have that imbalance healed. Uh, but, but it becomes a problem when, you know, uh, the 12-step program uses this phraseology war story, you know, where people are just are repeating you know, the bad things that they've done, the bad decisions that they've done, and it becomes sort of part of your story. And, and there's a benefit to you telling it and retelling it and hearing it. And, and then you get stuck. And then that sticky, stuck spot collects other people that come and, and just need to hear those war stories and just need to be entertained by those war stories. And so there is a way of, of, of sort of blocking your own process you know, when we're too caught up in our own ego, when we're too caught up in our own flesh, when we're too caught up in our own sense of uh, entitlement or, or, or empowerment. So humbling ourselves to God and, and to the Most High and to the ancestors and to the elders, uh, I think is a critical next step from, you know, getting clear about our DNA, getting clear about our lineage, finding out where we're from. I like to... Um, you know, take a, a little bit of pride in the system of determining ethnocultural tradition in my house. I, I do use Ancestry.com. I do use 23andMe. I do use a few other um, uh, DNA uh, tests that I personally have not taken, but many of my, my clients and my godchildren have. 
And so I take a little bit of pride of being able to, you know, have, having created a, a bit of a formula and a process for, for being a little bit more specific about ethnocultural background and tradition. But I don't want us to forget that which is here, that is here. You know, when we look to the Gullah Geechee, when we look to, to the uh, Deep South, when we look to the Mississippi Delta, when we look to Georgia and the Carolinas, and then to our ancestors, to our elders, to our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our aunties, our uncles, our cousins, much of our tradition is embedded in what they do. They just don't call it by, by a name that we recognize. They just don't realize that it's a remnant from, you know, a much more detailed system. To include divination, uh, we've moved from just palm nuts and cowrie shells and, and opele that my cousin talked about, you know, to, to stones and, and bones, you know, to, you know, reformulate very complex systems of divination that allow us to look just not at the surface, you know, what does it look like? But then we have to go in, you know, like a professional and, and give an examination, you know, run some tests, get some accuracy about, you know, exactly where the root of a block, an illusion of a block issue, a complication is, and then move our clients forward, then move our godchildren forward. One of the hardest things is when I have to um, fight you for your own healing, <laughs> you know, fight you for your own sense of, of, of empowerment. And sometimes when we're in that sticky, stuck spot, we don't see clearly. We don't hear clearly. That's why having the ability to be humble and, and, to, and to be quiet long enough to hear from spirit is critical. You know, we can drive ourselves into a place where we shut off our ability to hear and to see. Uh, depression has the ability to do that. Anger has the ability to do that, to, to shut off your ability to really hear that soft, still voice of God. And, and, and then when you don't hear that, your, your ancestors come rolling in, typically a little bit more aggressively as the illusion of the issue block and the complication. But, but once we get to that place when we can hear that and we can sit in that, um, that that's the first great power you know, that I experienced, you know, in, in this tradition. Uh, Otan talked about her first reading. Indeed, it was that ability for the elders to speak truth to things that we had not seen. Christians called that faith, you know, to speak truth to things that were to come and to bring empowerment to things that had already occurred, you know, things from the past that went unsaid, that went unspoken, that, that went unexamined that ultimately affect the bloodline, the heritage, the lineage. The conversation about voodoo, um, I'm going to be honest, I don't know to what degree that conversation is still being had uh, on either side of my family, and particularly now with the Internet, Um, i.e., they can see me talking about it every single day. So I don't know to what degree that causes them in their own private space in Chicago, St. Louis, Michigan, D.C., California, you know, to, to further discuss that. But I can remember growing up that it was a common conversation, and it was a bit of a battle. It was a bit of a war between those who didn't want to talk about it at all, wanted to pretend it never happened or it didn't exist, and then that portion of the family that thought it was wicked, thought it was evil, you know, thought it was a bad thing. 
today we have space for those who, who are not just curious, but now have the ability to sort of uh, tap in from the safety of their own home, from the safety of their own device and their technology, and really listen to us, but also see our demonstration. And I think the demonstration is more important than anything. One of you, I think, referred to it as character. Not just going to a quote-unquote reader, but a reader of character. I think Otan said that. A reader of character. That's important. And that's why I often seek the elders. I often seek those much more experienced than myself, much longer lived than myself, to help me to sort of navigate what I need to navigate um, each and every day, you know, within the within the traditions. And, and my door is always open. Um, some of my peers find it to be problematic. You know, I, I don't sleep a whole lot. You know, I eat when I can. You know, I, I handle my life when you know when I can. But I don't have much of a, a quote unquote social life. Uh, for me, voodoo is my social life, and, and not just the the ministry and the spiritual practice of voodoo. Uh, but the performance of voodoo, you know, the educating of voodoo, you know, out in the community, uh, on, on media outlets, um, that's my quote-unquote social space. And, and then, of course, the Internet. So I feel grateful that even now with, with technology, we've been given an opportunity to really grow the awareness of these traditions in our community. And, and people can see that there are people who are actively living in this right now, today, you know, in this society, and it encourages others to make the same choice. I can't tell you how many families, not just the mom, the dad, the kids, but families I talk to every week that are looking for a way to, to move away from what everybody else is doing, family, friends, their peers, and move into something a little bit more ATR rooted. And their biggest concern is the conversation, is the demonstration. Well, what's going to be said when they, you know, find my altar? What's going to be said when, you know, they find out I'm burning candles? What's going to be said when they hear me, you know, speaking Yoruba or Airway or Ikbu or, or, or Fon or, or Haitian Creole for that matter? You know, what's going to be said? And, and that's often... Um, in my experience, the biggest flaw, you know, getting the stuff is not a problem. You know, having the resources is not a problem. Willingness to want to learn it is a problem. Oh, but my mama might see this. Or the people I'm still going to church to, you know, might see this. And that's one of the reasons I showed the video I showed um, from 1030 to noon uh, about voodoo. It featured uh, one of my godmothers, Princess Ava K. Jones, from, from New Orleans. But they went from West Africa to Haiti to Brazil uh, to, to the U.S., and, and, and that was discussed, you know, in, in this film, the idea that this isn't wicked, this isn't evil, it is indeed a lifestyle that we live, that we breathe, that we bathe in, that, that we sleep in, that we get up and sit down in, you know, each and every day. And so we've got to put words to it. We've got to make sure our children understand, because the children talk to other children. We've got to make sure our family members understand. And, and we don't prophesize. You know, none of us are here to, to cram voodoo down anyone's throat to, to suggest that, you know, you have to, you know, initiate into Ifa. Uh, as the elder said, uh, 
during the video, you know, we welcome the visitors, but we, but we also welcome the family and those who find a family here and, and commit and stay here and know that you, you are not, nor do you have to be operating in isolation. You are not, nor do you have to feel like you're the only person in New Jersey of all places. That's practicing Ifa or voodoo. There are a lot of people in New Jersey practicing Ifa and voodoo, beloved. You know, Philadelphia, Detroit, Los Angeles, Seattle. It's over a million, over a million. And and if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it's 1.5 million active voodoo practitioners in the United States right now right now. So we need to come together. We need to meet in the middle. We we need to be friends, you know, in the flesh, but also virtually. We've all learned how to use Zoom now. You know, I resisted Zoom until the pandemic. (laughs) I resisted doing webcam stuff. Never did any kind of, you know, other than YouTube and my own, you know, camera on my phone. I resisted doing this kind of stuff before the pandemic. So it, it, it's changed so much about how we interact, so much about how we see ourselves, but also the world, and our ex- accessibility to each other. And, and I've been saying this for years. Use your technology for greater accessibility to knowledge, to people who are in Nigeria, who are in, in Ghana, who are in Brazil. I love Google Translate. I talk to people all over the world using Google Translate. I don't have to understand Portuguese. I don't have to understand Spanish. I just need to understand Google Translate. Now, I realize there are going to be some differences, so I often ask them to speak in a very elementary way <laughs> because I'm an American using Translate. Don't, don't make it too complicated. You can't use street language. You can't, you know, you, you have to speak in a sort of elementary way, but it can be done. It can be done, and we underestimate the amount of people all over the world who if not speak English or at least familiar with it, you know, that the English colonial footprint is, is all over the globe. So you find people all over the world. I have listeners in, in China and places, Uzbekistan, well, Uzbekistan doesn't exist anymore, but that same region, you know, who are listening to the show. And I'm amazed by that. Cambodia, really? Thailand, really? Listening to this show? So people speak English. And, and people who are actively studying and practicing E5 are, are learning to speak a little Yoruba and, and to communicate and understand, you know, in Yoruba. Um, so let's build a greater sense of community and not just continue to be isolated practitioners, isolated individuals, isolated family members. You know, I'm grateful for both of the two of you, you know, for being responsive, you know, in the DNA platform. Some of y'all got your DNA test and you don't communicate with anybody. Even the people closest to you, you know, meaning sister, brother, first cousin, you know, but I've reached out third cousins, fourth cousins, fifth cousins, anybody who's willing to communicate, you know, in a peaceful way, you know, um, in a beneficial way. I've reached out to them on both platforms and it's been very beneficial. And, And I now have new family members. I now have new community. I feel a greater sense of um, of expansion, again, of the power of the Orisha, the power of the Loa, the power of God, you know, to, to reach wherever she decides she wants to go. 
to, to remake and remanifest herself wherever she decides to go. And so I've seen video of, of people in China doing Ifa. I've seen people in China doing voodoo. Not one black person in the crowd, Chinese people, doing African tradition, you know, and seeking to do it, you know, legitimately to the, to the best of their ability. So we've got to better embrace the reality that this is no longer fantasy. This is no longer what the TV and the movies and, and, and some of the stuff that I'm credited for, you know, the horror productions. It's not that at all. And that we're here, and, and, and this is a lot of time and a chunk out of our day to be here, to share our experience, to share our story. And we, and we don't do it because we're getting paid a whole lot of money. We don't do it because we're becoming, you know, famous. But, but we do it for you, and we do it for the expansion of the tradition in, in a real viable way. I want to address real-world challenges that we face today, today. Our history that we stand on is great. Our past is great. Our mythologies are great. Our stories are great. But, but how they now help us to address the many challenges that we're confronted with today is my ultimate goal and purpose for providing this platform. So please, our greetings, beloved um, Chef Bougie. Thank you, um, Crystal. Thank you so much, you all. And I invite you all to participate, to ask questions, make your comments, offer your requests, and and join us. Um, I will say that as far as uh, the conversations, um, firstly, uh, for anyone, if uh, once you have your information or you feel like you have an idea of your path and the direction in which um, uh, the most high in your ancestors have pointed for you to go, um, I want to suggest that you get information if you're following um, a form of ACR to get information on it, to be willing to understand who you are, accept your destiny, and stand in that there is power in simplicity. You don't have to be the most knowledgeable, the most versed, no this song, that song. It's not about what you know. It's about your heart and how purely you are willing to operate in it. Um, I had that conversation. I've had a couple of conversations with my mother and my sister. It's not that, and I had that same feeling of dread, like, what are they going to say? Are they going to have questions? Oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to deal with this. And a lot of the time, it's us doing it to ourselves. Yes, there may be questions, you know, if at all. They may not want to ask you a question. They may want to ask you a question. A good thing to do is to have some information factual information so when and if that time should should arise you have good information to give them so they can know no it's not demonic it's not about worshiping the devil or doing this or that and you can actually give good information so they can at least know that you have a connection to the most high and it's not about following the trend it's not about going with a bag it's about you and your connection with spirit and i say standing in that because that alone is all you need. I had two different conversations, one with my sister and one with my mother. Um, initially, there was some skepticism on their side because it was unfamiliar because of the stigma and the status, you know, calling and, and what the statistic of what they tried to say ACR is no matter the form. 
Um, so we had those conversations, and it, it, it may not always be the way you want it to be at first, but you continuing your path, being positive-minded, and you know what, continuing to pray for them before you get into the conversation. Pray for commonality, for understanding, for a meeting of the minds on the ground where everyone can be understood, and if not understood, at least respected. It made me feel so good because you would be surprised. My mother, who I thought was just a minister, and it wasn't no way she was going to this, that, or the third. It took her pulling me to the side. Well, actually, she called me up one day, and she said, um, I need to ask you a question. And I said, okay, Mom. She said, um, I noticed there were certain things that I don't see from you on Facebook. She said, and I know you up there. She said, so I was just wondering why, and if this had something to do with Aoife. I was like, Aoife? She was like, yeah, this has something to do with that. And I said, well, it does, because first and foremost, I will never do anything um, intentionally, subliminally, to disrespect my mother or make her feel uncomfortable. And I expressed that to her because, first and foremost, I'm going to respect my mom. And I wanted her to understand that. And if it means I keep her from seeing things that I feel would upset her or, or cause her to feel disrespected, then she just won't see it. And... My mother surprised me and said, all I wanted was for you to have a true relationship with God. I don't have to understand. She said, because I really don't. She said, but I see now that you have real relationships and that this is something that you live in, not just walking and talking, and I'm proud of you. Don't you ever hide nothing from me? And I just sat there so happy and feeling so dumb at the same time because I've been blocking my mama out when I could have just had a conversation. I could have opened my mouth all because I psyched myself out because I just knew that my mama wasn't going to listen. And sometimes the blockage is us. Sometimes we in our own way. So I want to encourage you. I'm not saying jump out and have that conversation if you're not ready. Pray on it. Talk to the most high. Talk to your ancestors about it, but have the conversation if needed. You may find that it may bridge a lot more gaps than it increases. So be encouraged. Be bold. And be who you are. Because yeah. they can't change it at the end of the day when you're standing up in old room and you're looking back on your life. How would you feel to know that your whole existence was about doing what you thought other people would be happy? Because no matter what you do, somebody's going to be mad. So do you. Be you authentically and unapologetically. I say, I say that I need an applause button. I keep forgetting to add applause <laughs> to my soundtracks for this show. I had the ability to out add sound, and I just keep forgetting to add all that. But um, yeah, you you couldn't have said it better, and and it mirrored to some degree my own path, my own experience in terms of you know introducing, in some cases, reintroducing these traditions to uh, people within my family. Uh, probably my most negative experience uh, as it relates to voodoo was with a family member. And this was a family member who, once upon a time, wanted readings and, and wanted help, you know, controlling her, her boyfriends and, you know, wanted help, in, you know, in gambling. And, and when she didn't find success in those areas in the way that she thought it should look like, 
or her own karma in, in many cases came back home. The chickens came home to roost. Then she demonized the whole tradition, and she blamed Eshu and, and, and me to some degree for introducing some kind of demonic spirit into her, into her life that caused certain things to come apart and, and, and to fall apart. Uh, and this was, oh, wow, this is before I moved to New Orleans. This was back in the, in the 90s, maybe. We don't speak till this day, till this day. And, and it's interesting because uh, she and, and Wapani live very near each other, and they don't communicate much anymore either because the cousin feels that if she don't communicate with me, my own sister shouldn't communicate with me either. And, and, and she doesn't communicate with my mother, her, her great aunt, you know, I mean, her, her cousin, um, the way that, she, you know, she should. Because, again, they have accepted me, have embraced me, I have come to understand, you know, what it is that we're doing in this space. And so being able to articulate where you are in your journey, it doesn't take titles, it doesn't take big words, it doesn't take you really understanding, you know, everything 100%, but being able to articulate where you are. Same person call every day during the show. When you start to articulate who you are, um, people eventually grasp that, understand that, and they either learn to respect it, you know, visit, but 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 be respectful, you know, or they become family, you know, at, at a much deeper level. Now you're not just blood related, but, but now you're also spirit family. And, and for me, that's the power of of this trio right here on screen. Uh, we know we have set blood DNA connection, but but it's the spirit family that's really uniting us at at a deeper level. For me, it was just I don't even know shocking was the word, you know, to see Oloye Ifawole, Ola Deji Ifatunde on my on my DNA chart, you know, and, and other Yoruba names and other you know uh, African based you know languages. I even have some relatives that have Korean names and have some Asian names, you know, and some Middle Eastern names. So, you know, there are so many things that create family other than just blood. And, and Oloye, uh, in his way, expressed that when he talked about lineage, not just being your, your blood tie, but then the path, the system, and their way of doing things that you ultimately adopt and commit to, you know, and become a part of. So, so there are many ways to establish heritage and lineage. I'm sure the Mormons consider themselves, you know, having a heritage, you know, and a lineage based in, in that religious system. So we need to move this beyond just, you know, memeing about it, posting pretty pictures about it, you know, wanting to be seen because we got Elakis on. If you notice, I never wear Elakis. I have them, but I never wear them um, out of respect um, for, you know, what the Elakis represent, but also for the community. And, and again, how we demonstrate these traditions. It's not a piece of fashion jewelry. It's not something you wear to sort of draw other followers in, you know, into your TikTok. Yeah, I'm on TikTok now. Um, I got a video that's got 300,000 views on TikTok, by the way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a second line in, in, on my block here in New Orleans. But I digress. 
But we need to move beyond just, you know, making it look fashionable, as Otan said, making it look like it's the trend, you know, and really have it be a part of the bread and butter, you know, for those of us who still eat bread and butter, the dynamics of how you build your family, yourself, your family, ultimately your friends. You know, I have friends who don't practice Ifa, friends who don't practice voodoo. I have friends who don't practice, you know, traditional African religion. You know, but then I have many who do, and, and we interconnect at the second line. We, we interact in Congo Square. We interact at the Tomb of the Unknown Place. That was something else I want to uh, discuss in terms of heritage and lineage. Um, sacred spaces. Sacred spaces. I understand the importance of, of the sacred spaces of, of Olotunji. I understand the importance of the sacred spaces of Togo and Benin the waterfalls of Haiti and Jamaica. So we, too, have sacred spaces here in the U.S. And so we utilize the Mississippi River, we, you know, where the river meets the ocean. We, river, we utilize the swamps. You know, we utilize the wetlands. We utilize the marshlands. And, and the product, the, the, the uh, vegetation, you know, of those various terrains that bring something to, to our healing to our diet, to our magic. I got a pot of coffee on, y'all. I'll be right back. Okay, I would like to say that also we have to understand that, yes, every um, a lot of things originated in Africa. A lot of things originated in parts of Nigeria, Benin, wherever you want to go. But as Divine Prince also said, there are a lot of traditions here that are rooted in the natives that come from here. A lot of people have to understand, although a lot of our ancestors was caught up in the slave trade, not everyone had ancestors that were slaves. That's right. Our people traveled the world, mapping the stars. They may have stayed in some places and decided to live there with where they were trading or what have you, and then you had the, the, the mixing and intermarrying and all of these things that was going on. So you have to understand that don't dismiss the connection, the power, and the things that came from this land because our ancestors cried here. They bled here. They birthed here. That has an effect, a lasting effect on the soil. A lot of people don't understand that this, this earth with this plane that we live on is alive. Look at the soil. Look at the trees. Some people even say water itself. I know I speak to my water before I drink it. The very organisms that we interact with is alive. Look at plants. There is a reason why what we exhale, they inhale. And what they exhale, we inhale. Yin and yang, reciprocity, everything is connected in this cycle. So in knowing that, we have to understand that there's power here. Nothing was removed. Nothing can be removed. Do not dismiss your roots. Do not dismiss your base. You will miss a blessing and you will miss a step on your walk thinking this is how it should be or that was wrong or this was wrong. And I see a lot of that happening. That's how I can tell when there are new people in their discovery, in their journey, because they're coming out of there and, and Jesus wasn't real and this and that, and I don't believe this and I don't believe that. that that's a brand new mind. You haven't been around long enough. You need to open your mind, hush your mouth, and learn, because you don't throw your base away. 
That's the only way. You, you wouldn't throw your ancestors away. That's your base. That's the core of where your power emanates. How foolish and prideful of you to do that. We have to understand it is a lifestyle. It's yes. not a fad. You will see the result, but you are required to do the work. This is not Harry Potter. There is no Wingardium Leviosa. It does not happen like that. You got to work to get it. Everything in life you get that you that you love, that you really, really enjoy is going to be because you poured your heart and your soul and your effort into it. I'm not here to try to push you to go one way or the other. I love you as you are where you are. I want you to be your authentic self, but I want you to figure out who that is. I challenge and invite you to do that. My sisters, too. Yeah. Do that. And, and then the real work begins. Yeah, and that person you just described, I, you know, I smile because I recognize that person. I saw that person coming out of church, brand new, you know, thought they knew the entire Bible in, in 30 to 90 days. You know, and they're ready to take over the church. I saw that same person in Islam, you know, among the FOI at the nation, sitting under, uh, um, uh, um, oh, my goodness, Farrakhan. Minister Farrakhan. Yeah, Minister Farrakhan every Sunday, Moth Miriam. You know, I, I, and I've seen that same person in Ifa and, and in Voodoo. That, they got that new car smell, <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and it's in their demonstration. And, and then they bombard my DMs you know, with books that I've read 20 years ago, with books that I've read 30 years ago. And, 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 and what do you do? You encourage them? You know, you, you applaud them? Oh, oh, yes, beloved, you know, that, that's good work. You know, keep up the work. But, you know, they really think they're teaching, you know, the elders something that's brand new. And, and that becomes a part of the challenge as well, that sort of a generational back and forth thing. You know, each generation comes to innovate. Each generation comes to do a new thing. Each generation comes to improve something or evolve something. But you've got to understand where you are first in its fullness. Many ethnic groups in West Africa don't consider you a, a mature individual until you're 35. Here in the West, we got 16, 18, 21. You're still a child among the Messiah at 25 at 26, at 27. So until you're 35, that's when they have the shaving of those dreads among the Maasai, the Turkana, Southeastern Africa, Kenya, that region. They shave those dreads at 35 to represent you now becoming a mature adult. And if I'm correct, they can't marry until they're 30 among the Maasai. You have to be at least 30. So the idea that, you know, we got it all down, it's, it's a very Western thing. This, this ego that I, I've had to talk about in the show, in the chat, I, I know it ain't you. It's not you. It, it's a Western toxin that, that all of us to some degree have picked up. But, but when we realize we picked up, we work to exercise those things from our behavior, from our conversation, from our language. And I'm sure my cousins, my co-hosts would agree with me. You know, coming into these traditions is not easy. I'm not suggesting that they got the gate barred, but, but I'm suggesting that learning the new culture, learning to humble yourself a little bit, learning to be quiet so you can hear what you need to hear, many of us in the West have to relearn that from a Western, uh, from a West African perspective. 
or, or even an Asian or a South American perspective. There's an arrogance that comes with being an American that many people around the world do not like. You know, that there's a, there's a negative thing about control and what we want and what we need and, and luxury that really grates the last nerve of many indigenous people around the world, particularly when we show up talking about we coming here for spirituality and religion. And so one of the first things we have to do is forget what we know. Now, I had to do that the hard way. You know, as a suicidal teenager on the 33rd floor of my building, Fifth Avenue, 110th Street in, in New York City, dreaming about jumping off the balcony, God spoke to me directly and said, are you willing to forget everything you think you know? I don't care what pastor said it. I don't care what Bible said it. I don't care what mom and daddy said. Are you willing to forget everything you think you know and let me show you something? And, and I thank God I said yes. I said yes, and it it was from that moment that I couldn't hear gospel anymore. I couldn't even hear holiday songs, holiday references, holiday music, anything that tied me right back to that old way of of sort of seeing things. But in that newness and being humble, I was able to absorb languages, cultures, traditions. Sometimes I would just go to the library, and and I would close my eyes and just pull a book off the shelf. You know, I'd choose a section, you know, and I'd just pull a book off the shelf, and I would read it I, from, from page to from cover to cover. You know, I, I would digest that information so that when I went out into the world, I'm now encountering, you know, they say when the student's ready, the master teacher will come. Now I'm out in the world, sometimes in the street, sometimes vending, selling incense and oil and whatnot, and now I'm rubbing shoulders with people from Senegal, people from Ghana, people from Jamaica, people from Haiti who were also living, quote, unquote, outside the grid, who were also selling produce or or handmade items, you know, and and had other gifts, talents, skills, music, instruments, writing, you know, that's where my world really opened up. And and I was operating in a cocoon. My mama said I was operating under the anointing, you know, but I was operating in this cocoon of protection. On the streets, sometimes up all night, you know, with people with deep accents from other parts of the world. And they were impressed with me because I knew something about their language. I knew something about their country. You know, I've got a gift. I can look at many Africans and tell you exactly what country they're from. And sometimes I can tell you exactly what ethnic group they're from. That's an act of witchcraft to them. Coming from an American, a, a black American. Like, how do you know that? You know, you, you've been to my country? No, I've, ne- I've never even left America, beloved. But my love for the culture, for the tradition, for the people runs that deep. And it has run that deep since I was in elementary school, since I first started running the hallways of the Smithsonian National Institute Museum, you know, in Washington, D.C., where they represented ethnic groups and cultures. And I could be in Japan for a few hours. I could be in, in China for a few hours. I could be in Ghana for a few hours. I could be in Egypt for a few hours. And I just absorbed that information. So, so there's nothing wrong with the reading of the book. No, you can't initiate into these traditions reading a book. No, you can't fully understand these religions reading a book. But there's power in reading the book. I, I tell my clients and my God to read everything, even the foolishness. Read it all so you know one from the other. 
so you get a better understanding of the world that we're operating in. That's what I had to do. If I had to go through many books, you know, way back to Santeria Experience, that book was written in the 70s, you know, and, and it stuck with me. And as I walked my journey, as I encountered people from these various traditions, I knew what to throw away. I knew what wasn't important anymore, but I knew how to then identify the meat. In the, in the books of these authors who often are writing about our culture, our practice, our tradition from the outside looking in. Very few write about it from the inside out. Now, there indeed are a lot of Nigerian authors, but many people don't know how to access those books unless you have a connection to some, some Nigerians. I know Araba El Baboon keeps a great deal of books coming into New Orleans. And so I can go to that community and I can pull from from uh, Ifa books written in Nigeria by, you know, Nigerian, you know, authors. But that information is what made, you know, the student on the journey looking for a teacher. That's what made that magnetism. I think that was the word you was looking for, cousin. That's what mm-hmm. made that mag- magnetism work. And so the people that I needed just just started coming to me, just started giving me things. Sometimes we quibble over you know, over initiation costs. I got a lot of stuff for free. I don't say that out loud a lot. I got a lot of stuff for quote-unquote free if you're talking about American money. But the hours that I spent crocheting, the hours that I spent beating, the hours that I helped pack up their incense, the hours that I helped sitting outside with them all night so they could take a, 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 a nap, and, and I watched their table until they woke up, that paid off in training. That paid off in, 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 in wisdom and knowledge. And, and it paid off in implement. Some of you have been in my house. I've got some spectacular stuff, <laughs> some unusual stuff. I've got some stuff that, that people who've been initiated in these traditions for decades sometimes lose their breath when they see it. Oh, my God, what, how did you get that? You know, and so I had to humble myself. I had to surrender, you know, not to a, a person per se, but, but to my willingness to want to change my destiny, change my roles from where, from where statistics and society said I should have been to where I know I was meant to be. And so, man, the gifting just, the gifting continues. I've got Nigerian godmothers who are doctors in America with degrees and PhDs who fly back and forth to Nigeria two, three times a year. The stuff they bring me is overwhelming. <laughs> Sometimes the clothes, a Santa Hines, I mean, just drums, some of the stuff they bring, it's just overwhelming. I've got frankincense from Ethiopia and Egypt that I won't even burn because it's that precious. It's that precious. Some of it looks like citron crystal. It's that clear and it's, it's that precious, but it's from Ethiopia, it's from um, e- Egypt, it's, it's from, you know, um, Somalia, you know. So we've got to learn to surrender to the universe, surrender to the universe, humble ourselves to the universe. Oton said that. Stop thinking everything is happening to you, it's happening against you, and, and start, change your perception of what's happening for you. This is happening for me because, 
or so that I can, or so that God can, or so that the ancestors can, make something that mirrors your best interest come into fruition. And sometimes part of it is part of it is destiny. I mean, we all have a destiny that we've come here to fulfill. And even going through some of the initiations, it begins to open up to reveal what your destiny is, but your destiny also, it, it starts opening up uh, in your life experiences. So sometimes we absolutely do not understand why things happen in the way that it happens, but there's a, a, a power in, in your submission. When we look at the definitions to some of the spiritual traditions, Many of us don't even know the definitions to some of them. When I ask a lot of people who are very hard uh, on, on Islam, what it is that Islam means, they don't know the definition. So therefore, when a minister Barakan says that by the very definition of Islam, we are all Muslim, people take arms. But yet, when we look at the definition of Islam, the submission to do the will of God, then we all submit ourselves, if, especially if we're in a spiritual practice and a spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. We have, we're submitting ourselves to do the will of God through Ifa to manifest in our lives in the way that our destiny, or we went to Alurumari with our destiny in the fulfillment thereof. So therefore, from the very definition of Islam, submission to do the will of God, then we can all be considered Muslim, one who submits himself to do the will of God. If we humble ourselves to submit to that which God is presenting in our lives, however he chooses to present it in our lives, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, everything that we have to go through in our life, We know that the story is being built, and our testimony comes to the test. So when we give a testimony and we have the experience to back the testimony, there's power in our words. There's power in the experience. I see. No, I want to respond to the chat before I I forget. Um, Nas Media, African Diaspora Academics. Tell us the creation story that you accept. Uh, that's a great question. Now, I will say, um, again, I've studied many cultures, many ethnic groups. So there are similarities from the Mayans and the Aztecs, you know, to, to deep Asia, uh, to, to Africa, to, to Egypt. There are similarities in the creation story. So I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to put it in plain English, and I'm going to sort of tell it you know, in my own words, from my own perspective. We came from the sky. We came from the sky. Science backs me on that. Quantum metaphysics backs me on that. Mathematics backs me on that. Even our, down to our water came from the sky, possibly from, you know, collisions with, with objects in, in, in space that then subsequently deposited water here. That's science. So I believe that we came from the sky. We were seeded 
here by a higher evolved um, entity. We can't say humanity because that would be of Earth. Uh, so, so, so I can't avoid using terms like extraterrestrial. And when I say extraterrestrial, I don't always mean alien. Again, our imagination has kind of created this picture of, of what an alien is. But extraterrestrial. Egyptian culture, Mayro culture, Ethiopian culture, uh, again, Aztec, Mayan culture, Omec culture, all suggest that we were seeded from somewhere else and were the first inhabitants, if you will, of the planet. Now, when we look at technology, and, and I did a show on this the day, brother, where I talked about other hominins other than just humans, you know, your Neanderthals and, and some of the other forms that existed on the planet before, you know, humanity came to be prominent. Uh, there had to be some interference, some intervention, some involvement there from something beyond our world that caused us to sort of escalate as a species and develop all the godlike characters that humans now possess. And again, I think that's supported in the stories of the ancient world in many ways. Um, I also believe that they came from the sky. Those that come that are the newest on the planet, but archaeologically wise, they're the newest on the planet. Um, their origins are still, you know, a bit undecided. Some say Yaku created them in a lab. You know, others say that they, you know, that they, again, came from the sky, maybe from a different uh, form of extraterrestrial than who we are. I mean, I can go real deep with this, and I can even suggest there's some kind of battle in another part of, the, of, of space, in another part of the universe that caused them to now seek a new home. And they chose here. And at some point, we intermix. But that idea of supremacy, which eventually developed into racism and white supremacy and, and many forms of prejudice, I believe is rooted in the idea that we have very different origins on the planet. And now we're intermixed. We're all mixed up, you know, and this greater sense of, of um, ownership is, is, is being fought out somewhere outside our physical domain of reference. I also talk on this show, beloved, about us existing in multidimensional spaces at one time in order for this reality to be what, what we say it is. Again, that's science. That's math. So there's a reality that we're all existing in right now that mirrors our best interests. Hopefully you're living in it right now, and it's not just in your, in your imagination. There's also a reality that we're all existing in right now that gives us fear, that gives us trepidation. You know, we don't want to be homeless. We don't want to be without resources. But somewhere in your mind, in another dimensional space, that world is real. And our goal is not to bring that into our present reality. That's why what we think is so important. And the more you assume danger, the more likely danger will present itself. The more you presume uh, prosperity, 
the more likely prosperity is to present itself. So we evolved as separate families, as separate entities, as separate ethnic groups. Uh, Even their Bible talks about, you know, the great flood and the need to to wipe out, you know, um, giants and um, other supreme or superior beings that were not supposed to mate with earth humanity, but somehow made it with earth humanity and created these various forms that, according to their Bible, uh, and to some degree the, the uh, Quran, had to be wiped out or had to be removed, you know, during, during the course of, of the flood. So I think there are many sources, both religious, spiritual, and scientific, that kind of support my theory that, you know, we came from the sky, from the planet to us as, as living, breathing beings. As Otan said, the whole planet is alive. Every part of it, you know, is alive, and every part of it comes from outer space. I'm going to add that part. And, and even now we have nano diamonds and stardust, you know, falling onto the planet from outer space every day you know, in microscopic form that we all just can't see readily, you know, without a microscope or scientific, you know, discovery. I believe that ultimately we will end up somewhere else. Now, who will survive to end up somewhere else is a little bit interesting. Now they're trying to wipe us out. Even though we are three-fourths of the planet, black people, people of color, but, but they're doing their best you know, to sort of genetically, biologically, scientifically, you know, take what's best from our genes. That sounds like extraterrestrial to me. Take what's best of our genes and, and save them and then harvest them for a new humanity. The Bible references a new humanity, a new world, a new kingdom, and get rid of what, what they see as a virus, what, what they see as a problem. Now, part of the mystery of that is, you know, what side are we on? Whose team are we really on? Farrakhan used to teach that the extraterrestrials were coming for us and that there was a mothership that circles the planet. Have y'all ever heard that? You know, Farrakhan used to teach that a lot. And so I'm not the only one, you know, in in the quote-unquote conscious community that has accepted the reality of extraterrestrial in intervention, involvement, you know, on on the planet and how we have developed. I also watch a lot of documentaries, a a lot of documentaries. Um, So anything from what lies at the bottom of the sea, what's unknown about our our planet, you know, um, the idea that, you know, there's absolutely something underneath the ice caps, you know, at at the Antarctic and, and, and the North and South Pole, you know, quite possibly a civilization long forgotten, the notion that there was once a superior race of people. When we look at, you know, the Omecheas, when we look at the Great Pyramids, you know, when we look at the great temples all over, all, all over the world, the notion that there indeed was either contact with something godlike, quite possibly extraterrestrial, you know, or the uh, possibility that humans, had actually, you know, recreated themselves and worked like at one point in time, you know, in our past. And I accept that we self-destruct every, you know, few million years or whatnot. The Hopi 
suggests that the earth has been recreated at least four times. Many indigenous cultures talk about the earth being recreated at least four times. So, you know, it's not hard for me to envision um, a reality where we indeed have some connection to something greater than ourselves that has been misinterpreted as God, that has been misinterpreted as, you know, some great religious superpower, you know, that, that has now fueled humanity to the place that, that we are and exist in uh, today. So that's kind of my idea of the creation story. Um, if you have other questions for me or, you know, or, or critiques, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. But I appreciate you. Yeah, New York City, uh, I learned a lot in New York City, beloved. <laughs> New York City is, is, is a city, it's two cities in one. It's multiple cities in one, and, and it's a journey. Yeah, I, just my favorite place. If I can afford it, I would live in New York City. Manhattan, of course. I, I would have a nice place in Manhattan. I would still live in Louisiana. I would still live in Treme, but I would be in New York City at least three or four months out of, out of the year, and I'd have some high-priced property that I would lease. <laughs> You know, while I'm living in Louisiana on this economy, you know, I, I, I let somebody else support that economy. Yeah. We have about uh, 20 minutes for your question. Yes, please. A small, minuscule piece. We burn some of that frankincense from Africa and release that into your house. Even if it is a small, minuscule piece. Don't get me wrong. Burn some of that frankincense in your house. Inhale it. Get it in your skin. Get it in your walls. Burn some of that in your house. Don't get me wrong, beloved. I have Oh, okay. I'm great. I, 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 I know it's precious. Yeah, Mama Jamila brought me some, and, and, and a few other people brought me some. So I have some that I burn. Yeah. Um, what's the word? Infrequently. Because <laughs> I don't burn it a whole lot. <laughs> I have some that I burn all the time. Yeah, it's strong. It's that, strong, yeah, That I can get on Amazon and reorder. But but the but the good stuff, I, I limit my usage to it. You know, okay. I, I, really I was going to say, you never burn it? Just a little piece. Yeah. yeah, I have some that I've never burned. I have some that I've had mm-hmm. since 85 that I've, I've absolutely never, never, never burned. But I believe it's just as powerful in, in its resin form. And then I have others that are fresher, newer, younger in age, and, and I burn that. But I'm, you know, I'm going to acknowledge you, Mother Ia. I'm going, I'm going to do that today. I'm going to take a piece that I've had since the 80s and shave just a little bit off, and I'm going to burn that. That's right. Get your prey on. Breathe that in. Watch. You're going to love it. 85. Wait a minute. Did you say 85? Yeah, 1985. I graduated high school in 84. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> that, that's, oh, another, oh. that's another, you know, powerful voodoo in my life. I've managed to hold on to a lot of stuff since kindergarten. You know, I have stuff that belonged to my grandmother, you know, 
quite possibly some of them. You know, and, and listen, I've moved. I've been in and out of U-Haul storage centers. You know, so I'm not unlike many of you listening to me, but I've been blessed, and I've always managed to hold on to my stuff, you know. So, yeah, my mom describes my place as a museum. Uh, I've held on to some stuff. That's all right. Come on, y'all. Join the conversation. I feel like I'm doing way too much talking today. It's been quite quiet today. Y'all come on and speak up. Don't let us sit here and do it all. Y'all going, yay, that's right. Come on, tell some of your stories and share. Don't just sit in the background. Get up in this light and get that work. Yes, and Orisha, um, if you get the right frankincense and myrrh, it's also edible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's also edible. And, and there was a time that uh, a gum was created in the ancient world from it, and, and people used it as, as, as a form of chewing gum. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, a large part of what you uh, say in terms of people's journey, there has to be sometimes some research to find the direction that you want to go. And, you know, inside of the African spiritual traditions, the African traditional religions, there are so many diverse perspectives of, of ways of things being done. Mm-hmm. And we could have two or three houses in the same block and everybody doing and practicing something different uh, in, in regard to even the same audition. Some might practice Obatala in this way, but come to my house and we're practicing Obatala this way. And then down the street, they're practicing yet another way. So I think that people uh, might really need to do more looking into uh, some things before they even make the final decision. I do believe that a lot of times the tradition is calling us, but that since we have no reference point for it uh, in our growing up, we don't know how to make a, a really good choice or decision on which way to go and how to then make it a part of our everyday life. And so um, I think it's important that now that people have some elders, it's out there more, but they have elders like you and Otun that are born here, reach out and ask a question so that allows for a good choice and decision to be made to see what fits into maybe perspective or the way that you that you desire to to practice or to study or to to you know the that you want on a spiritual level. I think that we're called to something when we're called to to the particular tradition. We might have a fallacy of what it could be. You know, I know none that have gone into uh, into and really looked at these levels of chieftaincies because still we, we don't even have full reference points for all of the levels of chieftaincies, you know? And yeah. so all of the thing that we go into it for, hopefully, is to improve our life and to heal. Some of us thought we were healed, but yet when we are faced with something that draws or triggers some of these things out of our lives, 
then we find out real quickly that we're not really healed. Sometimes when we're dealing with a situation and we think that somebody else is healed, we see that maybe they're not fully healed. So now we can't look down upon a person because we find out that what we thought for them wasn't true. Now it's our point to show grace to them and allow them to go through their process because our destiny and their destiny is different. We got to now find out what is it that's in our destiny that we are going to enter in this tradition and we're going to grow and, and live this life honoring the energy, the orisha that is within us. It is the true essence of namaste. The divinity in me is honoring the divinity in you, or the divinity in you to honor the divinity in me. We're, we're trying to, we're, we're, we're reaching each other on another level when, when we're doing that, when we're dealing with that. But yet, many times when we find people in a tradition, unfortunately, it's that that uh, that clash rather than the intertwining. So we have to look at what is it that we want out of this tradition? What is it that we want out of our journey in this tradition? And then we can find which one, whether it's Voodoo, whether it's the Louisiana Voodoo, whether it's Ifa, Afa, Fa, whether it is what, whatever the case might be, whatever it is. And then not allow us to think that we know without actually going into the research just to find out. We have to use the reference points that we have. You're an encyclopedia. Iya, now she's growing in this tradition very strongly. And so it is to now go to those who have at least a, a knowledge and a ability to say, all right, this is this, this is this, this is this. Which one do you think fits in best with your, with, with your, you know, with the direction that you want to go? Okay. And when you secure a foundation, you know, you, you've done your homework, you've paid your dues, you know, you've practiced for some, some years, you know, the ancestors of Mohammed might call you to, you know, create a new, a new path. But, but you've got to understand, you know, the foundation, you know, before we can just jump in and, and create something new. Uh, again, mm-hmm. I, I want people to understand that the foundation are already here. The people are already in, in place. You know, some people acknowledge uh, Olotunji. Some people acknowledge, you know, the Gullah Geechee Nation, you know, which has practice, practitioners, elders, you know, has an ethnocultural system in place, you know, right here in, in America. So, you know, yes, you, you find what's comfortable in, in terms of a student and learning and humble yourself to the process of learning. And if indeed God calls you, the ancestors called you to create something new, create something different, at least you'll then have the skills to apply to do so and to do so, you know, successfully. It is true. And I also believe a couple of things. One, you can't practice in the way in the, the actual manner that they do in Nigeria. Benin, Ghana, Haiti, anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. There's certain things 
that in our laws it would not be looked upon in a good way. And although that court case happened in Florida, there are still, you know, things we have to be mindful of. If I wants us to be able to follow the laws of the land as well within our practice and to also be mindful of those people who are our neighbors. We, we don't want to make our neighbors to be uncomfortable because people are doing certain things or throwing certain things away that now is certain smell and all of that and bugs and all of that because we didn't take care of doing what we needed to do appropriately. So we now have to now view this tradition in the divine essence of what it is and in the core of what it is to make this uh, these traditions work like they do back home, but we also have to be open enough to know that there might be some different things we have to do, but yet not fall away too far from the core that is still going to allow it to manifest in the way it's supposed to. So we have to be very mindful of what it is, what it is that we're looking for. You know, when we're speaking to our brothers and sisters back home in in in, in uh, the motherland, we have to take into account that the view that they're sharing with us is the view of Africa. Unless we had some that have traveled here, maybe have gone to college, university, whatever, and now they do have the experience, even in the way that we do readings, there's some differences because of our experiences in what we are, you know, having to deal with here. So when we look at certain things, our view of looking at that that verse or interpreting the verse, it is sometimes a, a little bit different in the perspective yeah. of the way that we do readings. The way that even when we go to the categories, you know, uh, of the Aiku, the long life, uh, full life, and and Ire Aje and Ire Ayan Oko, you know the the uh uh and Gumbo and then on the opposite side you know you have Iku and and Arun and then Ejo and Ekonju. You know, the way that we look at these categories sometimes now, because of our experiences of course in living this life and this culture, we look at the categories and we can maybe look at it in an expanded view because now we know this person could be going through A, B, C, D, and E. And some of those things that reference points out there. Many times having conversations, many don't really know the significance of Mahafa, of the transatlantic slave trade. So therefore, to them, that is that break. They don't know of the middle of that middle uh, uh, passage. Mm-hmm. So we have to take into account and show even grace there but yet understand that maybe, just maybe, you know, we have to honor those those babalaos that did the work that are here and now have done the work to now go inside of the of the tradition to kind of bring it back up, wow, to bring it into this fashion where the understanding is from an African American view or an American view for us to be able to to interpret things to even talk to you and resonate within you that much stronger. So, G, 
just sharing that, you know, the journey to these traditions, they, they can be very diverse. Mm-hmm. But know what you want. Know what it is that you're desiring in your heart and in your spirit from these traditions. And that then can lead you. So be intentional in your prayers. Be intentional in the thoughts of what you want out of a godfather, a, a, a god, you know, a godparent, uh, out of an elect, out of a temple, out of the tradition as a whole, so that when you walk in, you're walking in with your eyes open, and you know this fits what I'm looking for, or this I might want to re, re, regroup and, and and find another. Know if you want traditional isheshe. Know if you want lukumi. Well, if you want Santeria, know what it is that you want because there's differences. Isheshe, we don't do warriors. But in Lukumi and Santeria, they do warriors. So, therefore, you know, if you're looking for warriors, Isheshe is not going to do warriors. You're going to do Ishefa and then find, you know, the, the Babala is going to say, okay, this is what Ifa says now. This is the appropriate or issue that you might want to receive or initiate into. So in knowing these small things, it's the small things that are really the big things. And when you can know these things, you can make a wise a wise decision. You can be a wise consumer. Now, I think knowing what they are is critical. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you know, just in the last five minutes, you used some words that, some people listening to us have never even heard before. And, and that's why, for me, it's important that, you know, we demonstrate that this is a lifestyle. It's not like just going to the fortune teller and looking at your love life and, you know, how do I fix that? We're going to look at your entire life. We're going to look at your entire body. We ain't going to just look at your love life. We're going to look at your health and wellness. We're going to look at career and education. We're going to look at the dynamics of your relationships with your elders and your children and quite possibly your spouses. It's a lifestyle. And my preference would be, you know, that everybody who contacted me was really trying to practice this as, as a lifestyle. This was really an extension of, of their life uh, as opposed to, you know, the, the tourist that just wants a, a curiosity you know, a, a look into our culture, you know, just for a moment. And that's fine, too, you know, but, but be, be respectful as a visitor and understand that you're visiting into a cultural ethno, ethno uh, practice that's more than just tarot reading and, and fortune telling and, and palm reading. It's, it's, it's our lives, you know, if, if you will. So my, my, that would be my preference. You know, I, I don't turn anybody away. If people seek help, I help them. If people want, you know, a look into things, you know, we do divination. But, but I, I take a lot of time in the process to explain that, you know, there are certain things that your ancestors are calling for, for from you now. There are certain things that the spirits are calling for from you now. And, and quite often, and particularly in this dispensation we're living in right now, 2021, they're really asking us to do a new thing, to, to do an old thing, but to do it in a new way, to do a new thing, meaning to, to, to stop doing what we've been doing for the last 200 years that, that may not be getting us to the goal. 
And there are many tools that we've used, you know, during the, the 400 years that we've dealt with enslavement here in the Americas, you know, and, and, and in time, you know, you replace the tools or tools evolve and you get new technology and now you have a new tool, you know, so we, we have to be willing to, you know, again, humble ourselves with spirit and be willing to grow and, and, and manifest this practice in a way that's practical, reliable, and in some ways current and accessible, you know, and, and as my cousin says, without necessarily, you know, creating a wave, you know, it, depending on where you live. It would be real easy for me to say, y'all need to flee them cities. <laughs> it would be real easy for me to say that. It wouldn't be the right thing for me to say. But it would be real easy for me to say, you know, y'all, y'all got to get out of them cities and get to where you got some land and some vegetation. And, and if nothing else, a yard, you know, with, with a fence or some trees around it. You know, there's a great deal of what we can do within the tradition, you know, in these country rural southern, western areas, you know, that you, you can't do in, in a Chicago high-rise. You know, what would be real difficult to do in a New York City, you know, high-rise. And, and it's one of the reasons that I eventually moved south. I, I wanted to be around more of my people, literally and figuratively, but I also wanted to be able to operate in my tradition and have mm-hmm. the space to operate in my tradition without worrying about my neighbors you know, or a landlord or, or, or the land management, you know, what y'all doing, you know, what's that smell, what y'all got going on over here. You know, I, I don't have to deal with that at all in, in New Orleans. And even as my cousin referenced, he didn't say the word Hialeetha, but he's talking about that, that legal case, I believe it was 1993, where they had a problem in Florida, you know, with, with animals being discarded improperly. Um creating situations that were not cleaned up properly uh, because, as he said, there's a, there's a protocol to all this. Uh, Oloye said it. Otun said it. There are rules to this. No, we don't waste animals. No, we don't just, you know, violate animals for the sake of violation. And so they ended up having to go to court. The state of Florida actually enacted laws to prevent them from practicing Santeria and, and Lukumi for a minute. And it was overturned, and it was, you know, found in, in the federal courts that by right of religion, I know some of y'all don't like that word, by right of religion, they absolutely had the right to act in the way that they were acting. But, but it's got to be done appropriately. And, and, again, when you have novices that think, you know, I read a few books, you know, let me kill a chicken, you're creating a real bad energy for, for, for yourself, for the animal, for the people around, and we don't just discard animals. Often in voodoo, you know, that food is eaten, that food is shared, that food is, is disseminated throughout the community. It has just now been prayed over. For, right. for you church folks, it's just been prayed over. <laughs> you know, it's like kosher, kosher and uh, kosher and halal. That's right. At the same time. Kosher and halal. Yes, we've removed the blood. The blood has been used and fed to the spirit in the most appropriate way, you know, and then the flesh also has, you know, its purpose, you know, within these traditions. It's more than just killing an animal and making it a sacrifice. People have to understand this also. This is why training is needed. This is why it's good to deal with people of good character to make sure that they are not only 
know what they're doing and doing it correctly, but they are doing that they are doing the animals the justice and the service that they deserve. Because it's not just about killing the animal. You have to know the manner in which it is done because Come on the people not only receive the blessings, people bring something on go behind and it's going to take a whole lot more killing to get off. So make sure you know what you're doing, make sure you know what you're doing. Internet fast and internet spiritual work. Because that's what you're going to get. Internet demon jumping all over your behind, and then you want to reach one of us to fix it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, and I will direct you, redirect you to my cousin Baba Aloya. But I'm not. Because we have to learn to operate in this thing. It's all, you know that saying, everybody seems right in. With great power comes great responsibility. You have to be mindful of how you approach in these spirits and know what you're doing. We all seen the horror movies. You know what happened when it's not done right. Or done over be some mindful. foolishness. Yeah, or done over some <laughs> foolishness. Yeah. Uh, Anthony X, I am hoodoo obeya vocor. I am an authentic, the authentic New Orleans voodoo priest. Uh, witch doctor is an extension of my black masking carnival Mardi Gras position. Black masking culture is a whole nother dynamic to ATR that is specific to, to New Orleans. So, so uh, you know, Indians got witch doctors. The Zulus have witch doctors. It, it is specific to our culture here in New Orleans and, and primarily around um, black masking. So, so when I mask at indigenous, you know, I'm I'm witch doctor, medicine man, in in that in that vein, and in that role, I bring the medicine to the black masking community. We bless the streets, we we bless each other. As you should know, being from Louisiana, you know, masking Indian uh, once upon a time was a very volatile tradition, and so they pray just to ensure that everybody made it home at the end of Mardi Gras. Uh, Mardi Gras was illegal for black people. Masking your face was illegal for black people. So there's a whole bunch of inherent risk, even till today, that exists within the symbolism and and practice of of black masking culture and tradition. Witch doctor has also been used in a negative connotation by Hollywood movies, book authors, people who know very little about indigenous culture, or voodoo culture, for that matter. Uh, when the early archaeologists went through Africa, the Congo, you know, everything was, was the witch doctor said, the witch doctor did, the witch doctor brought healing. And just like the word witch, which, which I'm still not entirely comfortable with, it's a word that is used in, in, in Nigeria. It's a word that's used in Ghana in association with Iyami and other very specific powers within the tradition. So like always, it's about usage and who's using the word. Uh, again, Be mindful. I... Be mindful of label. There is no primary. He is of God. Just because there are many facets, many areas of study, there is no box to put the divine prince or any of us in. There is no primary. We serve the most high. He transcends all religions, practices, spiritual systems. There's no box. 
Don't look for one. There's no way to define a person's walk. You don't have that authority. None of us do. Be mindful. Ashe. And I'm also a minister. <laughs> okay. And, and, and I'm a healer. And I'm a, I'm a musician within the tradition. I'm a performer and a dancer in the tradition. Sometimes my, my role requires makeup. Sometimes my role requires two years of sequencing and beating, you know, and, and feather. So, yeah, again, Western culture, you know, tries to put us in a box, give us a title, give us a label, give it a brand, you know, to sort of reduce things down to its common denominator. And, yes, Anthony X, you can be all of those things, every last one of them. Now, bro, you claim to be spiritual. I want you to feel the energy because somehow you think it's just me. And, and I've been quiet, but some of the sisters don't, don't feel your energy sometimes the way you come in the room. Uh-oh. No, no, not sometimes, right now. Right now, I see it, I feel it, and just because you are so weak to put it in words on a screen don't mean it ain't real. That's no bueno. And I feel it, and you won't stop now. Anthony X, just so we're clear, I don't want anybody to think I'm directing this anywhere but you. Stop it. Listen, I say hell has no fury like Iyami scorn. I don't cross black women. I don't upset black women. (laughs) I don't try to offend black women. And when the queen speaks, I listen. I'm, I'm going to shave that frankincense. <laughs> as soon as I hit in this broadcast, uh, Queen Oton, I'm going to shave that frankincense. <laughs> My oldest, most expensive piece, and I'm going to burn it. Because uh, I humble myself to the power of Iyami. Uh, I humble myself. Are uh, we at 205? Oh, my goodness. I, I missed the time. Uh, cousins. Would you like to give a, a a peaceful exit? Would you like to close us out? <laughs> you want me to give a benediction, right? Yeah, give a benediction. Yeah. Cause, you should. Because I don't know what to, Yeah, because after the E.I. spoke, I, I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> May we all walk with you. May we all be at peace with ourselves. May we all look for the transformation in our lives that Yeye Oya can bring to us, especially on her day of worship. May Shango bring us uh, the, the healing. May he bring us peace, but may he bring war against anyone or anything that's meant to do harm to us or anyone that we love. So we offer you all peace and blessings as we leave today. May Yifah continue to bless you. May uh, Louisiana Google continue to bless you. May all the traditions and spiritual systems of God truly bless you and keep you all as we leave here today. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. I can only save you once. I hope I never have to save you again. Pray with me. I'm going to pray with you. Listen, I've seen the power of Yami. I don't don't mess with it. I, I just don't. Like you said, from my mama to my grandmama to any woman, black woman that I encounter, 
I, I don't I don't seek to ever get y'all on the wrong side of the energy. So yeah, I, I'm 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 humbled. I'm humbled. I'm gonna take follow your instruction. I'm gonna I'm gonna smudge my frankincense and mirth as we get off of here. And I look forward to everybody coming back again, including you, Anthony X, at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time next time for another powerful rendition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Otan, do not disappear. Do not disappear. Stay right where you are. Do not disappear. <laughs> okay? All In other words, words, don't get off. Yeah, she stayed. She stayed. Oh, my God. We got to celebrate. Dude, this is the first time. This is the first time. We have to remind her, though. Yeah, but we reminded her before. We reminded her before, and she still disappeared on us. Remember? Hey, hey. Yeah. It's so hot in here. Come yeah. on now. Damn. Oh, my God. I kept reading his comments, and I'm like, <laughs> He's like, he gonna keep trying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, there, there ain't gonna be so many times you gonna try it. Not in my presence. No. No. He's getting on my nerves. And, and, and I know it's easy to to not forget, but to not see it because you see our three faces on the screen or whoever's with us, and you kind of you know see random. People I've been ignoring this fool for the whole time I've been coming on this thing because I've been catching them comments. And for me, I don't like that sucker shit. That's subliminal. Say it with your chest, man. That's that. What he doing hiding behind us? That's some sucker shit. And I was like, and the, and the energy, what he's putting out, he's trying to come off intelligent, but he's being a jackass. And he's getting on my nerves. That's why I wanted him to know. No, I ain't, I ain't gonna sugarcoat it. I'm not really want to. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Oh, the Bronx. The Bronx has come out. Jesus. And yeah. all that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's why I was like, we go. We gonna what? pray for you, bro. We gonna pray for you. We, we gonna pray for you. Come out. And if you need to come see me, come by and see me, bro. You you live in Louisiana. Let's let's have tea. Let's have coffee. You know, we can smoke a blunt or whatever. I, I'm I'm inoculated against you. you know, so we good now. So we good now. Come on by. Last time you came, you had to wear a mask. You don't even have to wear a mask this time. But what you're doing right now, just uh-uh. See, and that's the stuff that we're we're confronted with going back to Carnival, Mardi Gras Day. That's a part of what being a masking Indian is. It's Indian play, and often it's warfare. And it's not always friendly. You know, their, their, their goal is to embarrass you. Their goal is to damage your suit. You know, if you ain't sewed everything down on your suit, they'll rip your suit apart if they get the opportunity. And many of the brothers in the community, um, and I know this is going out right now to Blog Talk Radio because I always end Blog Talk Radio well after we leave camera. So, so I'm being heard right now universally. Um, it's not always good. You know, some of the, the Indians still refer to themselves as gangs, Indian mm-hmm. gangs, skull and bone gangs, baby mm-hmm. dog gangs. And some of them still bring that element from the neighborhood, from, from the ward, you know, to, to this. And, and some of them, this is all they have, that, that one day out of the year or those two or three times that we actually put these Indian suits on 
you know, mm-hmm. to, to be seen, to be validated, you know, and and my men get in they, that testosterone. I, I can't mm-hmm. explain it. It's a man thing, sister, and they get in that testosterone and that sense of competition, and and then it's the shushu and, and, and the whispering. And I was challenged on the street many times early on as a masculine Indian. Oh, that's the gay Indian right there. Yeah, yeah, but look how big that stick is he's carrying. <laughs> look at that machete he got on his waist. You know, look at those three knives he got tucked in his belt. I wear at least seven weapons in my suit, Mardi Gras Day. Primarily for mm-hmm. ceremony, but if I had to use them, I would. But but primarily for ceremony. I, I'm the witch doctor medicine man. That's my role. I'm there to bring the medicine. But but the witch doctor, the healer, also mm-hmm. has to be a warrior, also has to be able to defend the camp. The, mm-hmm. the men might be out hunting meat. Who going to defend the camp? The mm-hmm. women and those others that, that are left behind in the village who are operating in these other roles. You know, we mm-hmm. can't all be king and queen. That's why I'm prince. I've never desired to be king. I'm, I'm prince, divine prince, you know. So I'm, I'm used to that. As you can tell, um, I do have a hot side to my nature. And so I've learned to keep it under wraps. My dad was extremely violent. And if I'm going to be completely honest and transparent, that's my fear, mm-hmm. is that I could ever be pushed to that degree of violence. Mm-hmm. And I know it's there, just beneath the surface, <laughs> you know? So I keep mm-hmm. it under wraps. And, and even emotion, emotional violence. I love Iana Van Zandt for this, because we, we think catcalling, the shade shots, Oh, well, that's not violent. Yeah, that's violent. Those are subliminal, like you said, subliminal spiritual acts of violence. And, mm-hmm. and the desire to harm you, to hurt you, to maim you, to make you feel some kind of way, to make you feel less, you know, about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know what the issue is. I don't. Like I told you all, the brother has been in my house. We've had ceremony. We've done divination. And it was really positive. I, I mean, it was a great encounter mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. been back I, I don't know if that's you know well maybe i can do that okay we'll do that mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. study get some elders spend another 15 years and then maybe when you get to be my age you can do what i'm doing but you're not going to do it at 26 mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you're not going to do it at 26 27 you know 30 i'll give you 30 you come on now come on and, and my platform is well fine-tuned, as you all know. I've tried, mm-hmm. I try different things. I tweak it, but I pay attention to the numbers. I pay attention to the participation. I know what people want. They mm-hmm. want old time. They want mm-hmm. old time. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, sister, you, you, you are where they want you to be right now. They, they want that from you, that, that EI energy, that EI that mother wit, that sister wit. You have an important role here. You're not just a visitor. You're you on the co-host. I, I, I'm going to include you, and I'm going to add your email address. You know, you, you are co-host, and you really bring something to the show that I on my own cannot give. Understand? <laughs> I know. I'd have, I'd have wrote you in. I know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know how to I know how to back him into the corner now. Yeah, this ain't yeah. get back. That's all right. That's all right. But, I, and, I, and the same thing. And the same thing with my cousin. You know, <laughs> he 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 don't even talk about martial arts every day. But even when he's not, he brings that warrior quality to that the show. Yeah. And some of these young brothers need to understand warriors pick and choose their battles. Warriors are often very quiet. They're too busy watching and listening, you know, to be talking, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're well thought out, well planned, well disciplined. And you bring that to the show. I also like your fluidity with the language. Sometimes my dialect ain't together. Sometimes my words ain't together. You always be on point with that, you know, and it, and it encourages me, like I'm encouraging Otan, to, to further commit to practicing these words, learning these words, you know, and being more exacting about it. But um, I think that what we're experiencing right now is a sign that this show is absolutely moving in the right direction. There are people paying attention right now who otherwise wouldn't be paying attention. Even here in town locally, I got a lot of locals who don't sign in, who don't let their names show up, mm-hmm. but are watching the show every word. Because it comes back to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every word. Mm-hmm. So I, I meant what I said. He's welcome. He, he's welcome. All I did was put him on timeout in the last show for five minutes. He was only on timeout for five minutes. He may or may not know that. He could have easily came back later on and said more of what he said today. I just mm-hmm. timed him out at the moment because I, I didn't want to get emotionally invested in what he was saying. And Otan, it because his issue is he's unhappy with his life. So while he's trying to figure himself out, instead of humbling himself, you know, it's like like you said, that's that that male in that that age that he's at right now. Me man, I beat chess. I know stuff too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So he wants to get on here, you know. And even though it's not direct, he's gonna you know show a little fast, you know, throw a little something in there. And it's not cute at all. And what that's gonna end up doing if he doesn't learn how to open up. Speak your mind. If you need help, ask for it. Nobody's going to want to wade through the bullshit to figure out where you need to be or what it is that you need because at the end of the day, if you walk in the door showing your behind the people, that's all they're going to see is the crack of your ass and ain't nobody going to want to deal with that. That's right. So he needs to find a better approach. Accept that he is unhappy. Ask for help. Seek the assistance that he needs. But getting up on someone's an elder's platform is that and showing your behind ain't it. An elder that, and it's that, only going to be tolerated with so much. An elder that you sat on the mat with, an elder who knows exactly what the struggle is. Mm-hmm. And you see my degree of respect. I ain't I say what he was here for, why, mm-hmm. nothing. But I will say, oh, turn is right on the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's right on the money. It's a problem. It's a serious problem. And that's where the focus should be. Now, I already said that, that he's been here, we had a reading, so you can assume I presented work. That's mm-hmm. what, the work never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got up and dust themselves mm-hmm. off in Florida water and went on. And, and because mm-hmm. of my caseload, I don't have time to chase you down. I can't call you every day and say, hey, how are you? Did you do what I said? Is it moving forward? I ain't got that kind of time. I only can respond to you. It's not. That's his work. And if he's not willing to do the work, then anything that's said in the, in the reading, you'll know 
But if you're not willing to do the work, then energetically you don't want it to change. So that's not really a victim fun. mentality, and so yeah. he's ready to do some work and not be a victim no more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even mm-hmm. often let him stay here. Just everybody like, got so a story. Everybody got a tragedy. It's what you're willing to do about it. Either you're gonna grow and you're gonna elevate, or you're gonna stay the victim and wallow. Yeah, I, I, even I think it's probably best that he didn't. At, at this point, that, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that that would have wound up being, you know, misunderstandings, mis- disagreements, and miscommunications, and all kinds of stuff. So it's it's real, yeah. and with all those, uh, the the Orisha or what, whatever it is that you I have got, in I got I got I got Orisha in here. I got Loa in here. I got Enkizi <laughs> in here. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So then you can't be up in there arguing and fighting, or else you might not make it out. So. You know, yeah, it's best that he was right. not. <laughs> right. And that's why I say all is a blessing. Things happen for a reason. When I don't hear back, I can only assume that things are going well or mm-hmm. or you've moved on. But I can't, no. And, and I have to be perceptive enough to, you know, I, I've had people in here before. I, I know the kind of things that can, that can happen, you know, when you start inviting people to stay, you know, mm-hmm. and study. So I needed to see. He needed to show me who he was, and I needed to see it so that we both maybe can better understand how we move forward. It's like going through initiation, right? Right. Initiation pulls out all kinds of stuff that, you know, it, it, it starts becoming like, oh, that's, that's who he is. So we have to make sure that we, we work on that or can work on that, you know. So that's like he's going through an initiation stage right now. Whatever works, you did for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when the ancestors are involved, because I start with the ancestors, you can't resist them. Mm-hmm. You can't resist them. And, and that leads to the illusion of an issue, a block, or a complication. Correct. Because once they say no, it's no, and you're going to bump your head if, mm-hmm. if you try to do something else. So, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's where we are. And I don't wish this on anybody. I don't. If you want to be a visitor, if you want to be curious about ATR, be curious. But th- this is something we commit to at, at a very deeper level. So I agree with you 100%. 100%. And that's the thing. He said he wanted this walk. He came to you because that's what he wanted. He wanted to understand it. He wanted things to get better. The problem is he's happy and contented in his victim mentality. So when he sees it, it now requires work. And now requires you to stand in front of that mirror and take a real look at who you are, the stock you come from, and the mess that was made and say, are you really ready to get down and dirty? You, you ready to lay some yeah. steps up and do this work? Because some of the generations, some of the things he has to do ain't just for him. It's for people that was before him to uplift the mess that they started and for him to finish it in a positive way so his children or his sisters or his, his brothers children. or their children mm-hmm. do not have to repeat it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. deeper than him, so he got to understand it, but he got to be willing, really willing to do the work. See, what happened was he came up to you, he got his reading, he got shown some stuff, he ain't like that. So now he and his feelings, because hurt people hurt people. So now he's technically, mm-hmm. he and his feelings, but he still ain't do none of the work that you gave him to do. And until he do that, that's where that attitude coming from, because he, he, he's afraid of himself. He think it's too hard. He saw what needed to be done, and he go, I don't know how I'm going to do that. This can't be right. No. This this this, this is Ori. His whole Ori. Yeah. 
it shook, shake upside down. Yeah. His whole, just everything. He done came to you, spirit and opened them up, and now he, he done discombobulated his combobulator. So now he don't know which way to go. Yeah. And now he, he getting his feelings about that. So now he gonna, he gonna lash out at who was helping him, and that was the closest person to him, because he probably ain't got nobody else. So there you have it. Yeah. Usually, usually voodoo is the last <laughs> resort in Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I got some stuff for you, man. Oh, okay. So since uh, you, you're going to have to help me because I can't remember it all. So oh. I know you will. So since la- la, uh, not not since the last show, the show before that, right? Mm-hmm. No, it was the since last the show. show when, it was the last show when you and I talked about it, I think. Okay, so since then, uh, he booted me out of everything. I've been booted out of all communication, all groups, all, 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 everything. So uh, I spoke to the people that I've been working with in Africa and told them straight up, listen, he brought me here, so therefore I'm sharing with you this. This and this happened. This is, yeah, I've told you the whole story already. You already knew the whole story, but I'm reiterating it and telling you, if you cannot work with me, I understand because I don't want you to have a problem with, with him. So I'm sharing it with you and I'm letting you know. And so he was like, no, no, Bala, it's okay. Uh, so I wound up doing reading. Uh, and uh, uh, the reading, you know, came back with a lot of enemies and all that stuff. I'm trying to remember because it's been, I've been getting blasted with work. I've been getting blasted with, with Ebbles the last four days, like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it came up, uh, Uh, it came up. No, this is the, that's the second one. Oh, okay. It came up um, in ED and told that I can't like get angry. I can't, you know, do anything lashing out or whatever. And um, that over time, you know, there's some spells being used against me, and uh, that over time I'll be able to conquer enemies. Um, goodness coming and all that stuff. Um, so, I can't huh? hear you. Can people still hear this? No. Oh, okay. So, uh, that, that, that's, that was the first absolute Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. 
Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, oh, oh,